start. <laughs> That's one option. Yeah. Um, yeah. Welcome back, everybody, to Refried Reviews. I'm John. I'm JP. And what are we talking about today, man? Uh, I brought Amadeus to the table, which I don't know why I keep managing to do this to myself, but so far I've chosen Looper, which I stumbled through not having nearly good enough notes. Yeah. And uh, then Spinal Tap, which has no real plot thrust to yeah. go over. And I mean, we we sort of agreed early on that whoever chose the movie would be sort of more responsible for pushing along the synopsis and things like that. Shit's on you, yes. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> of course, I, I pick Amadeus and I put it in the player. And um, as I'm, you know, getting a drink or whatever, the movie starts. And I sit back down and I hit rewind and I see it say chapter one out of 47 start. Yep. And I'm like, oh, Christ, why did I do this? Yeah, dude. It was uh, <laughs> it was pretty much my day today was watching Amadeus. Like, like uh, the, the girlfriend left to go uh, have brunch with somebody. I was sitting on the couch watching Amadeus. She came back. I was on the couch watching Amadeus. She left again to go to the grocery store <laughs> on the couch watching Amadeus. Yeah. She, uh, she, she baked some cookies, Amadeus. Um, <laughs> Did her taxes, Amadeus. Yeah, so my, my notes are four pages long and probably too dense to try and read while talking to you. So yeah. we'll see how this goes. Wow, we'll 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 go ahead and publish those as an ebook after this. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Um yeah, this uh this is a hell of a movie. I my first thought watching it um this time around was that this would never get made now. Right. Yeah. Um uh, but but yeah, how how did you when, when did you first see it? Uh I believe the first time was in high school. And it was sort of standard high school, watch it over like three different class periods. You, you watched know. it in class too? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> in, in my drama class, we, we watched Amadeus. It's, and uh, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was really good. It's one of the better movies I was ever forced to watch in school. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was better than that 60s Romeo and Juliet that has like the 14-year-old girl's <laughs> boobs in it with the, yeah. uh, with the teacher. I remember that, that one in particular, my English teacher. We got to that scene and like, you know, Romeo climbs up into the bedroom and then, uh, then the teacher stops the movie and says, and then they played checkers all night. <laughs> now we're going to fast forward. It's the next morning. They're done playing checkers uh-huh um, that's very tasteful i went to a catholic school <laughs> so there you go mm-hmm. um but yeah this was a fun fun movie to watch in school like i honestly didn't really remember anything about it other than just the basic story mm-hmm. that you know this guy salieri is all jealous of, and shit of mozart and so he's gonna ruin his life and then i remember really really liking it in high school but like most of the details of it and like when each opera is performed and everything i didn't remember until watching it earlier today yeah, I mean, I, I've been a fan of this movie since then, so I've seen it quite a few times. Yeah. That, uh, seeing it in high school was probably one of the last times I saw the theatrical cut, which is probably something we should mention. Yeah. Um, the uh, most, most of the sort of reactions I've seen online, uh, fans tend to prefer the theatrical cut. Yeah. But the director's cut is really all they've put out in a long time. Like, I, I think I had the theatrical cut, which was a flipper DVD that came out you know in the late 90s that's the one i watched today oh really <laughs> on the flipper on the flipper dvd yeah was it the director's cut or the or i'm 99 sure it was the theatrical cut oh okay yeah. oh so i watched a different one then oh really yeah oh man no wonder you think it was so much weirder than me like i was like that was a fairly straightforward little story and you were just like dude i have seen the face of satan well it gets pretty dark a little darker than the theatrical one really? if i recall yeah Huh. Like how? Like what? What are the big differences? Um, the the one that I come back to, um, I'm sure there is more, but uh, I think this that I remembered it probably because the ratings changed for one thing. Yeah. It bumped it to an R. That um, 
there's sort of an added bit, maybe they hint at it in the theatrical, I don't remember, that uh, they hint that, or they outright do, that Salieri goes over to uh, Mozart's house and basically, I'm sorry, Mozart's wife uh, visits Salieri to to beg um, basically for a job because they're bankrupt. And he propositions the wife. And so he promises a job for Mozart if she's willing to come, you know, visit his chambers tonight. Yeah. And uh and uh, I'll, I'll see if I can dig up the line in a little bit, but it's uh, it was an, a very unlikable character moment where like toward the end of the scene, he has a clarifying line where he makes sure that she understands what's going on. Like there is <laughs> just goes and just so we're clear I wish to penetrate you vaginally. <laughs> this is a casting couch situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Shut the door and have a seat. <laughs> and uh, and that scene, uh, it's not like it's in the beginning, but it actually happens earlier on than I remembered. So in the... In this the, isn't the scene with the nipples of Venus, is it? Um, the candle, so. The candies? Well, like, the... I think it's an additional scene beyond that because he, he basically makes her strip down Whoa! And, yeah, and uh, that's how it got its, its R rating, is classy titties for a second. And um, Yeah, I didn't have any titties in my version. Yeah, so he, he makes her show up in the middle of the night, like she sort of oh, betrayed her husband. It. Yeah, oh, she man. comes by, and uh, she sort of betrayed her husband, who's who's drunk out at a show, and um, and then he has her disrobe, and then basically dismisses her at the last second without doing anything, sort of... So when, when I say it's an unlikable character moment, I mean he makes her confront what she's willing to do, and then doesn't even take advantage of it or anything. Yeah. Doesn't go through and with still it. maintains the high ground. Yes. Yeah. No, that's awful, and I'm really, really glad that's not in the theatrical cut because, <laughs> um, and, and the one of the big things that stuck out for me about the movie was just how sympathetic Salieri is. Mm-hmm. Like for until like really, really late in the movie. Um, I'm, I still was kind of on his side. Like Mozart really is kind of insufferable. Sure. And like, it kind of, it would really, really bug me if a guy who was that talented was that much of a dickhole. Um, <laughs> sure. and I, I totally 100% get that. Like this guy, he's working as hard as he can. He's doing everything right. And then along comes this little dilettante shithead, <laughs> um, with this horrible, horrible laugh, yeah. um, which specifically has said, it doesn't he say it's like the laughter of God mocking him? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's he terrible. He keeps calling him a creature and yeah, stuff I like that. Yeah, I love that, the creature, yeah. <laughs> so I guess we should say generally, just real quick, what the movie's about. Um, it's not, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's not just like a biopic of Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. It's um, specifically about, the, it's, it's the story of Salieri. Like, it's Salieri's movie. And I guess um, while we're, saying it's not a biopic it's not very factual is it no there was an antonio salieri Mm -hmm. um but he was just like a mediocre composer there's no real evidence that he even knew mozart oh really yeah Um, i thought it was a little bit like there were rumors he was jealous or something but you're saying it's not even that much yeah no it's that none of that happened i see um and yeah the uh the the interesting remember remember at the beginning where he figures out that uh that mozart slept with that soprano mm-hmm. um that uh soprano is based on an actual uh opera singer who in real life was salieri's mistress oh i see yeah um so yeah he uh the whole like no i was chased stuff he spouts to that priest no all lies mm-hmm. um at least in like history right which isn't this <laughs> film but right. um but anyway 
uh, Salieri is the court composer for the uh, Emperor of Austria, played by noted child molester Jeffrey Jones. That's the one. Yeah. Um, Mr. Mooney, um, also the <laughs> newspaper guy from Deadwood. Um, Howard the Duck. Oh, yeah. Howard the Duck. Yeah. Um, also a convicted sex offender. <laughs> um, I just, I can't Many not know list, that. There's a large list of atrocities. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's as long as your arm. It's not good. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, he, uh, he's the emperor of Austria. Salieri's his court composer. And uh, this Mozart guy comes to town. Because I think he's at the time like in the service of uh, the archbishop of whatever the hell. Uh-huh. And uh, the emperor of Austria is like, no, we should hire this guy and bring him to Vienna and he should, he should compose for us. And he just gets better and better. Everybody can clearly see how good he is. Salieri is so, so angry because Salieri's, like I said, done everything right. And along comes this, you know, guy who just clearly doesn't have to work for it at all. Uh, this will be an interesting dynamic since you didn't see the director's cut. Yeah. Um, Cause I didn't actually even remember this, but in the opening narration of what I watched, Salieri talks about having always known the name Mozart and always admired him. Yeah. Which I, I hadn't remembered that from the story. So was that in that theatrical? I, I believe so. I mean, uh, I don't remember that line specifically, but he definitely knows Mozart by reputation. And then, like, when Mozart comes to town with the archbishop, like, he, he gets himself in there and, uh, and, and listens to the music. And I remember, it, it, remember when he looks at the sheet music the first time, he's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then he has to go see a performance and at that point, it's confirmed for him that this isn't a fluke. Like, the guy really is as brilliant as everybody says. Mm-hmm. And then he gets even angrier, <laughs> um, which is great. I think it's around then when he throws the cross into the fire and curses God. Uh, yeah, that uh, it was around the realization that Mozart uh, was just writing down music he had already written in his head. <laughs> yeah, that he was just, like, tuning in a radio, basically. <laughs> God, it would, it, would, it would make me really, really angry. It reminds me of the, of the story, this is sort of a nicer version of the same thing, but when, uh, when Eric Clapton first heard Stevie Ray Vaughan play guitar, mm-hmm. um, Clapton was apparently, like, driving down the street, and then a, then a Stevie Ray Vaughan song came on the radio, and he pulled over because he couldn't deal with how good of a guitar player this guy was. <laughs> and he seriously considered, like, just stopping forever wow because the, he's like no like i could never do what this guy's doing this is just too too amazing screw mm. it i'm done um <laughs> yeah uh but yeah and, and luckily eric clapton didn't set out to murder stevie ray Vaughan. Um, <laughs> that we know of that we know of he could have been behind that helicopter crash that would have been crazy <laughs> oh man he was oh you guys conspiracy anyway. cast yeah um no if eric clapton if you're listening i know you probably didn't kill stevie ray Vaughan. probably give you the pass yeah anyway that's that's the basic gist of the movie right like salieri gets jealous and then he decides that he's gonna um tear mozart's life down which he does by uh dressing up like his dead father and commissioning the requiem mass (laughs) (laughs) which is terrifying yeah and since this clearly doesn't sound theatrical enough it's probably worth noting that the sort of framing device for the whole story is in the beginning uh, of the film salieri is a his servants are trying to sort of beckon him out of his room as he's wailing that uh, that he's responsible for Mozart's death. With biscuits and whipped cream, it yes. appears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Which I really wanted some of until the fat guy stuck his face in it. <laughs> well, it was probably a lot harder to come by then than it is now. No, it's so, true. Like, yeah. I, I get that. <laughs> and uh, we discover that Salieri has slit his own throat. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, whether it's guilt or... This guy or... does not half-ass anything, you guys. <laughs> 
<laughs> so the uh, that's the beginning of the movie, and so the the way that sort of the story is framed is he's telling a priest who's who's trying to sort of take in his confessions late in life and yeah. stuff and find out what's going on. So it's framed as he's was it it was an asylum more or less. It was an insane asylum, yeah. yeah. Like the the guys throwing feces were my first clue. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, he's and then and then we get that thing at the end where he says that he's like the patron saint of mediocrities, <laughs> and then he Wonderful. absolves everybody of their media. Oh God, no! F. Mary Abraham is swinging for the fences <laughs> in this movie. He is he is killer. And the um, makeup was really good for that stuff, too. Dude, his old age makeup actually looked really good. He wasn't all waxy and terrifying like yeah. Guy Pearce and Prometheus. <laughs> I do feel like we've lost a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. The practical makeup world. We lost something in old age makeup technology, for sure. Like, something happened. I don't know. Maybe there was, like, a Library of Alexandria situation where, like, some documents burned or something. <laughs> I don't know. The technology was just lost to the ages. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he looks really, really good, and he he gives one of the best performances I've ever seen. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, like pretty... He, big transformation or yeah he's just i i I was so on his side the whole time Mm -hmm. like he just seemed like a nice guy who just finished last (laughs) and then decided like i'm gonna take down this guy because he deserves it and i just couldn't argue with him because mozart is terrible he's just the worst (laughs) and everybody's acting like he's so great Mm -hmm. like that that would infuriate me like really really uniquely like (laughs) Don't you guys see? Like it was, uh, it was, it was very. I felt very Frank Grimes for him. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was, it was very much that kind of situation. Well, in the vein of the podcast, it, it probably bears mentioning that the first time I saw it, I was a lot more uh, on the fence about God. Yeah. Where now, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't believe there's a God. Yeah. So it, it's sort of, it, it's interesting how that changes the perception of of the story as a whole. Yeah. Of, does that make him a sadder character and more tortured or does it make him more foolish or what because yeah. it, it really seems like a lot of this torment he sort of set up he, he set himself up for it oh yeah early yeah, in yeah. life so it's sort of he it is very sad to watch his his him spiral outward but it, it's really on a track that he set up for himself a long time ago oh yeah which it, it's it's a very sad set of circumstances, but still. yeah, I mean, he definitely seems to have a pretty theistic uh, outlook on the world. Like every good thing that happens to him is contextualized as a miracle. Mm-hmm. Like when his dad chokes to death in front of him when he's a kid, <laughs> um, you know, he says that's a miracle. And then like uh, later uh, when the emperor yawns during a performance, uh, that's a miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it's, it's, it's all, couched in this you know which makes sense because it's the time um yeah. couched in you know church churchy stuff and a very sort of bargaining based solution where he's oh, yeah. offering things up yeah 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 and he uh it, it it raised a question in my in my mind like he 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 lays out his argument for why he hates mozart like it's it's that like he feels like God is mocking him directly by making this little troll so talented. Mm-hmm. And, and that God put the the urge to perform in Salieri, but not the talent to fulfill it. Yeah, yeah. And do you think that that is honestly how he feels? Or is it is that him like justifying things after the fact and it really is just jealousy? Um, I mean, I, I, I feel like... Things like jealousy are just sort of a component of the mind at a low level where yeah. all your perceptions are sort of filtered through it. So I don't think that he's necessarily like lying to himself. Yeah. But certainly the the 
the driving force that would make him like he found out that he he slept with the girl that he wanted to. So the response of, you know, inviting his wife over and and disrobing her, like all the 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 petty aspects of it. Yeah, I feel like those definitely stem from the the jealousy angle and sort of his his obsession with uh, a theistic universe and and where things are fair seems to have a lot to do with it, where he's he's just so upset because the scales are imbalanced. Yeah. And he feels they should be even. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's definitely, but it's not fair. Is kind of what it co- seems to come back to for him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, it's 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 interesting. Um, yeah. So I mean, I'm sure there's there's some degree where he feels like he's righteous because like this little shit didn't do anything, and he was given everything, and yeah. he doesn't even realize it. No, but, the kid. You know, he was I, he was born on third base, and he acts like he hit a triple. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the. Uh, in answer to your question, I guess um, it it is the the more petty aspects that, that drive him forward, sort of in that regard. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, what happened next in the story? I the mean, the uh, well, the next. Uh, I mean, you know, Salieri or no, uh, Mozart shows up, and there's that great scene with uh, you know Salieri hiding from Mozart. And not realizing that the little giggling guy with his bimbo turns out to be Mozart at oh, the party, yes, yes. which like I I had I knew that Mozart had a wife in the movie, but I didn't realize that was her. I really thought this was just going to be a scene of him chasing around some random you know broad, mm-hmm. and then it turns out that like that's that's his broad. Um, <laughs> that was uh, that was an interesting little turn of events, um, and definitely a good insight into like no, this is just this is the mode this dude operates in like constantly. Mm-hmm. This is just where he's at. Yeah. From day one. Um insufferable. <laughs> yes, and there are there are many infamous sequences like too many notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is one of my favorite reference bits just in life in general. Just too many notes, man. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing just felt like such uh, such an undertaking. Like like I said, you could never ever get this movie made today. Like no one would be willing to put that kind of money behind costumes and you know all kinds of and, and just all the period details for those huge crowd scenes of people like in crazy opulent outfits and everything. Mm-hmm. Like you could never do that now. I mean, this. I what, what was the budget of this movie? Do you know off the top of your head? I don't. Um, you know, whatever it was. I mean, I, I know. Uh, like 12 years a slave ended up costing i think that cost like 15 20 million or something like that Mm -hmm. um and this this had to be more than that just on costuming alone and i i haven't watched the the documentaries and stuff in a long time but i seem to recall they they went a long way to do like um natural lighting only kind of stuff yeah i I don't know if that was always the case but lots of candle lighting and Things that are, you know, I'm sure make it uh, much more disagreeable on set. Oh yeah, no, the whole thing was uh, was definitely um, the whole thing was uh, naturally lit. I read earlier that they like would take uh, for diffusion through windows. They put tracing paper on windows mm-hmm. so they can get like the the right diffusion for their lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's all natural light. Lots of candles, candles freaking everywhere, man. <laughs> yeah, um, which makes sense. That's what they did mm-hmm. back then um, with those chandeliers that come down and everything. Like, oh god, it was so so gorgeous. And you know, it's something. You know, there's movies like this or like Gandhi or uh, yeah, a, a, a few others are escaping me. But you know, it seemed like something we made a lot of up through even mid late nineties. And we just don't make those kind of movies anymore. Well, looking into um, 
the sort of the differences in the director's cut, I took a quick look at the Wikipedia page. Yeah. And Milos Forman, in a quote about the director's cut, says that they were kind of nervous about it at the time. Really? So it sounds like even then, uh, I believe the quote was something like, you know, MTV had recently launched. Like, we're in a very different place, and we're putting out a music uh, movie filled with classical music. And yeah. It was, you know, two hours and 40 minutes long. So um, I, I thought that was interesting speaking to, I guess it wasn't it wasn't easy to get made even at the time. Yeah. And uh, I also, I disagreed with this quote a little bit where he, he basically said uh, it, it was so risky at the time and that's why I cut all this stuff out is, yeah. what, is what he's getting at. But now that it's sort of looking back and it was well received and everything, what difference does it make if it's 240 or three hours? Yeah. And that that's sort of the the indication that he gives in this quote. But as I mentioned earlier, I think the extra footage warps the sense of character quite a bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Salieri that I was rooting for wouldn't do the things that you saw your Salieri do. Yeah, so like, that that's sort of an interesting idea that he feels relatively disconnected from that. Yeah. Eh, throw it on there. Yeah. Now, you can't just throw in a scene where a guy forces a woman di- to disrobe. Like, yeah. that's, that's going to shade him. Like, <laughs> that's just how that goes, man. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it, it, it would be great if we saw this kind of thing get made more often now. I just can't think of, I mean, the, the thing that I keep thinking of is 12 years a slave, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, had the uh, other true story thing going for it. It wasn't really a famous true story, but it does, it did have Brad Pitt backing it, which is probably pretty helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, bringing out his Canadian chin strap beard <laughs> and appearing in it and everything. Um, did you see 12 years a slave yet? No, oh yet. Yeah. It's, it's you're gonna feel pretty bad for being white sure. um it's how it goes um <laughs> it's uh it's ooh, it's it's a tough sit man um I can it's, imagine it's really really phenomenal but mm-hmm. uh but yeah you're gonna you're, you're gonna feel kind of like a little bit of a shithead sure it was an interesting not not to get off into 12 years of slave land too much but it was it was an interesting experience for me because it was all, shot all around where i grew up and it's gorgeous so like I'd see these, you know, familiar looking plantations and Spanish moss on trees and stuff. And I'd be like, oh man, where I'm from sure is great. <laughs> and then a guy'd be getting whipped and I'd be like, oh, <laughs> this, oh man. Yeah. Ah, mixed feelings. <laughs> <laughs> this is, ooh. yeah, it was tough. It was tough. I um, can imagine. Yeah. Um, to, to be absolutely clear, slavery was the worst, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not for it at all. <laughs> no controversial stances here? No, I'm not taking a controversial stance on slavery. It was a dumb, dumb, bad idea. You're just going to be a poser Yeah. Like everybody else. <laughs> I'm just falling in line, man. That's yeah, I'm fair. also anti-murder. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not into that. Um um, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, uh, so back in, uh, back, back in 18th century, uh, Prussia, mm-hmm. um, that, that, I, I guess w- eventually there, oh, there's that great scene where, um, you know, the emperor's like, oh, I want to, I, I want to meet Mozart and Salieri's like, oh, I wrote this little, uh, this little march for him. <laughs> yeah. And, uh poor crappy emperors trying to like play it and it sounds like crap and mozart comes in and they meet him and uh he takes salieri's march and just just rocks it like Uh and the worst part is it's clearly better (laughs) to the point that all the help was like coming in from other rooms to see what was going on let's talk about those guys for a second because there's a whole lot of like dudes standing around in salons in this movie Uh like what do you think those guys were doing (laughs) like (laughs) I mean, I I think you just sort of had, you know, money to burn and 
tastelessly people to burn <laughs> that you just have standing around. Yeah. We're just, I don't know. There were these three clerical guys, and they were sitting at a table and like pointing at papers and stuff. And I was like, what's their day like? <laughs> like, what are, when are they going to lunch? What are they going to have? Well, I mean, so much of the corporate lifestyle is figuring out a reason that people need you. Yeah. And at a time like that, when societal structure was, you know, when, when would the lower class even discover how any of this worked? Yeah. So I feel like it's sort of confusing and layered on purpose to yeah. keep it so they can stay in their position. Yeah. Speaking of that, let's talk for a second about what how this society seems to be set up. Because, like, it seemed kind of arbitrary and totalitarian to me. Uh-huh. Like, just in terms of, like, the things that the emperor apparently had the power to outlaw. Like, you know, ballet. Uh-huh. Like, you just we can't have ballet and operas. Why? The emperor doesn't like it, so no one gets it. Like, what? That is some fairy tale <laughs> shit. Like, is that a thing people actually did? I don't know. I mean... The only thing I would have to say to that is perhaps, like, in in a theater where they're playing things commissioned by him, yeah. maybe, like, yes, his influence would be felt throughout everywhere, where the yawn would have such a big thing, where maybe there are sort of, like, if you would actually move more into the peasant areas. Like, if you go to that vaudeville theater from later in the movie, yeah, then, like, then you can have a ballet. Yeah, so you don't have, like, a, a SWAT team busting in because they're performing ballet there. Gotcha, that, gotcha. I, that, that would be my guess. Well, I, I, maybe they did. I don't know. Um, <laughs> speaking of that, uh, that theater towards the end, they built that really yeah that whole thing was constructed because the show was so complicated or i guess i don't know because they just couldn't find one there were only four sets they had to build they built um i forget all of them but two of them were that theater and mozart's apartment and everything else was shot on location i believe in prague Hmm. yeah um well i guess if you got old buildings yeah absolutely trot them out man yeah yeah, no, it was it was it was gorgeous and cool. But I yeah, I just I kept listening to the emperor be like, "Oh, we don't do that. Why? I I don't like it." Like, <laughs> he just he 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 had he had a certain sway. And I really really liked that the emperor and a lot of the characters just had American accents. Like, <laughs> I really really appreciated that choice. Uh-huh. Like, cuz it seems like every period piece everybody's got to have a British accent even if they're, you know, they've all got Picard syndrome or no matter where they're from, <laughs> they have a British accent. Um, for those of you playing along at home, Captain Jean-Luc Picard of Star Trek The Next Generation is from France, but he speaks with a British accent. <laughs> what the hell, Star Trek? I'm saying. Future. <laughs> yeah. There's even an episode where he goes back to his family vineyard in France and meets his brother who speaks with like a working class Cockney accent. <laughs> Wow, so they thought it yeah. through? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they, he's, he's just like, you know, oh, I brav, you, you went off to Starfleet, did you? And it's just like, <laughs> what the hell? Where did these people come from? <laughs> like, Picard is clearly a French name. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Uh-huh. Um, I digress. Sure. Uh, but yeah, they. I, I mean, how did you feel about that choice? Did, um, it, did it ring false to you, the, the accent thing, or, or did it help? Uh, no, I mean... It always seems a little silly that they're speaking in English to begin with. Yeah. So, like, unless you're going to try and go in Glorious Bastards with it and, like, go an extra level of authentic. What did, what did they do in Inglorious Bastards again? Just a large percentage of the movie wasn't in English. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and yeah. when people were speaking English, they would usually throw out some kind of, like... Oh, he's a prodigy actor who who knows all these languages, and yeah. they're trying to conceal information. Like they they went to great lengths to make it 
make sense some of the time that they were speaking in English. Yeah. Or you could just hunt for Red October, the thing, and zoom in on a guy's mouth, and, you know, <laughs> that's it. Or we could uh, have the little Star Star Trek communicator. Yeah, or the Universal Translator, like, let the TARDIS into your brain from Doctor <laughs> Who. I don't know. There's, there's ways around it. It's fine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you're going to make a period piece, like... Uh, I I mean, it would have been kind of cool if they had, like, Passion of the Christ did this thing and just subtitled the whole thing. But, mm-hmm. like, I'm fine with them not doing it. And no. I also felt like Mozart, in particular, played better with an American accent. Yeah, I don't think it, it would have been necessary for what the movie was trying to convey. Yeah. I, I thought it was much more of an interesting character piece than it was trying to be yeah. a historical docudrama. <laughs> yeah. You know who almost played Mozart um, bef- instead of Tom Hulse, who just dropped off the face of the planet after this in Animal House? Um, that's not true, Tom Hulse. You were in other stuff. I know. I, I, I IMDb stalked you. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you're listening, Tom. <laughs> um but yeah, um, Mark Hamill almost played him. And Mark Hamill played Mozart in the play, because this was based on a play from Broadway in 1979, mm-hmm. which I don't think had the priest character in it. It was just like Salieri doing these monologues in the middle of shit. Oh, really? Yeah. Talking then, to the audience? <laughs> yeah, he would be like, look how much of an asshole this guy is. And then he'd turn back and talk to Mozart some more. Now I kind of wish he turned to the camera. <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be great. Like, I could totally... You know, there's a, there's a great, great, great uh, adaptation from the 90s of uh, Richard III, which is my favorite Shakespeare play, mm-hmm. um, because Richard III is just having such a good time being evil. Uh, have you seen Richard III? <laughs> uh-uh. it's, uh, are you familiar with it? It's, uh, it's the one where Richard is like the hunchbacked, uh, like fourth in succession guy in the royal family, mm-hmm. and he basically at the beginning of the movie is like, listen, I'm going to become the king. And I'm going to kill a bunch of people to do it. <laughs> and then he just does it. Nice. And uh, and then he ends up not the king anymore. That's where my horse, my horse, a, king, my, uh, a horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse comes from. Ah. Because uh, some people invade and it turns out he's kind of a shitty king. I think I've mainly heard of it in relation to House of Cards. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little House of Cardsy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Ian McKellen plays him in this uh, adaptation. And he's turned into the camera all the time because there's a lot of soliloquizing in Richard III. Uh-huh. And it's a hoot. <laughs> like when he turns around and he's like, plots have I laid. <laughs> You're just like, all right. Like, I want to see the plots in on it yeah so yeah i i totally would have bought like salieri just turning to the camera in the moment and be like can you believe this fucking douche nozzle (laughs) well i just looked down randomly at my notes and saw the um uh, i don't know if it's chronological or what but the uh at the party when salieri in a mask um basically dares him to play some salieri oh god (laughs) just laying it on so thick yeah and then he just stands there like you shit heel god yeah and the thing is he's right like it sounded like it sounded like that march he played mm-hmm. it was just terrible and simplistic and then mozart was just like what if you just fucking shred on it bro uh-huh. like it's oh god no it was it was fantastic you know what I, I really like loved about this movie uh the the thing technique wise that stuck out for me the editing in this movie like the the cuts from scene to scene and like the shots they chose to cut in on mm-hmm. loved it like there was uh there was this one moment at the beginning where that opera singer is at her lesson with Salieri and she like takes a breath and then it cuts to her singing at the performance of Mozart's opera. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a number of like match on actions like that. Um, they did a lot with that painting of Mozart's dad. 
yeah, just yeah. scowling. Um, and then they did another thing later with like, I forget exactly what the match was, but there was someone being noisy in one scene and then it cut to these deer running away as though they'd been spooked by that noise. <laughs> um, I'm a sucker for that stuff, but it was, it was very, very effective. Wasn't there one where sort of it, it's a mix between a sequence that's going on and Salieri narrating, talking about it? And he says he he says some comment about maybe how terrible Mozart is, and it cuts to just like a split second of the laugh, and then yes. cuts back to the scene. I, I do remember that. It's yeah. like that's beautifully done. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the this this movie. I hope it won the Oscar for editing. I know it won like eight of them. Yeah. Um, I think it got Best Picture, and F. Murray Abraham won. Um, let's take a look at IMDb and see what else it won. Yeah, um, I guess the big factoid while you're looking up that kind of stuff. Would yeah. Be, um, didn't Tom Hulse uh, study piano four hours a day? Yeah. Like, as soon as he found out that he had the role so Jesus. that he could do the uh, reverse hands on his back thing. Yeah. And some, uh, so I read some music professors watched this and like went through all the notes being played on the piano. They said that the piano performance is actually note perfect. Wow. Yeah. Like it, it matches what you would, what you're hearing. Nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it won the following best picture, best actor, best director for Milos Foreman, best writing, um, best art direction. Good. Best costuming. Yeah. Best sound, best makeup. Um, oh wow. Actually, uh, it was nominated, uh, uh, F Murray Abraham and Tom Hulse were both nominated for best actor. Oh wow! Yeah, in a, like lead, uh, uh, it was nominated for best cinematography, best editing, but it didn't win. What the hell won best editing that year instead? <laughs> um, oh, I won't tell me. But um, uh, on my quote sheet, I have that was God laughing at me through that obscene giggle. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the voice for those kind of lines. Yeah, that obscene giggle. <laughs> oh God, it was good. Um, yeah, he. Uh, Oh yeah. Also, at one point, there's a guy with a bear. Um, I love that. the uh, The scene right before the masquerade, mm-hmm. which, by the way, the masquerade, like that looked like, dude. It looked like the craziest orgy that's never been held. Like, I, I'm really surprised that it. Like, I, I know that. Like, after we cut away from that party, like someone was like, "Oh, it's eleven o'clock blowjob hour," <laughs> and then like everybody just got blowjobs. Like, uh-huh. eyes that, wide shut. No, it's totally an eyes wide shut party. Like, uh-huh. you don't. If you're really, really rich and everyone in the room is wearing a mask, <laughs> everybody's gonna fuck uh-huh. in that room. Like, it's it's just a truism. Like, we all know that, right? That well, that's what rich you? people do. Yeah. Like, I mean, we we can't as poor people because like <laughs> we have like mortgages and stuff. Like, I know we're not poor, like, we're not, you know, dirt-ass poor, but, like, we're not, we're not, like, blowjob hour rich. Sure. You know? Who we, is? We, we, well, Mozart's buddies <laughs> clearly are. Um, Zuckerberg's probably blowjob, blowjob hour rich, <laughs> I'd imagine. I mean, most people who, like, live in Manhattan, probably, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's 2800 bucks for a one-bedroom, like, you kind of got to be blowjob hour rich yeah. to get, uh, to get there. <laughs> How'd I get off here? Um, oh yeah, the masquerade, blowjobs. Yes. Um, yeah, no, it was it was it was it was a crazy crazy masquerade. I remember when Salieri walks in and takes his mask. There's just like a bronzed shirtless guy standing there with horns, <laughs> just standing there. I think opulence is the word you're looking for. Yes, yeah, it was a bacchanal, man. It was like 
It was some Caligula shit. I know Vomitorium belongs in here somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, Vomitorium's actually, uh, I was reading, a Vomitorium isn't a place where Romans went to puke. Mm -hmm. Vomitoriums were the the big, um, like, passageways in the Colosseums that Mm -hmm. just would issue forth crowds. Like, they were just the ways for people to get out quickly. And they were called vomitoriums because they just puked <laughs> people out people. forth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much, that, that was what it is. Uh-huh. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it was it, it was good stuff. Um, but yeah, the, the, the whole thing, uh, the, the, the whole thing had this, like, just in terms of the story structure, this very classical, like, Robert McKee story kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. it felt like the kind of movie people write textbooks about afterwards like it's and that's why i keep coming back to like this kind of movie doesn't get made anymore because no one just no one's making like textbook drama like this on this scale anymore like it's just you've always movies like this are always smaller and more experimental like the last thing i can think of is maybe like marie antoinette that uh that sofia coppola made Mm -hmm. and that was experimental and everybody hated it (laughs) i didn't see it but i know everybody hated it Mm -hmm. you know anyway (laughs) Um, one thing that, that I noticed that, uh, uh, sort of, as you're saying in a more complicated drama framework is that I noticed Mozart sort of had a a mini arc toward the end. I mean that I don't want to make too much out of it, but there was a point sort of when, when Salieri brought him home after he collapsed during his final performance, um, where Mozart thanked him, and Salieri was was just like, "Oh, don't worry about it." And Mozart says, "For for coming to the show, yeah, because none of his colleagues would be seen with him anymore." Yeah, and it, it was just sort of an odd, poignant moment for a character who the story doesn't really seem to be about. Yeah, so it, it's sort of an interesting thing where the the movie is so easily summed up by what Salieri's up to. And it's easy to forget that that Mozart is a character as well, going yeah. through all these. Like things. Like maybe he's acting out in this way because he's trying to forget certain things. Like there's got to be things Mozart doesn't like about himself, you know. And at the end of the day, Salieri sort of has uh, like an average degree of respect and a home to go home to, and, and all these sorts of things. Yeah. Whereas it's easy to keep hating Mozart because he just sees all these things that he wishes he had the talent and this and that while completely ignoring the fact that like, Oh, he doesn't have like all of my creature comforts and he's tortured all the time. Yeah. No, it's the only, I kind of took it really differently actually that, that I think, well, I think I, I, I saw it through Salieri's eyes that like, if I had somebody I felt that way about, and then I found out that they thought we were friends, I'd get even angrier. (laughs) because it's the only way i think i could deal with like the guilt i was feeling in -hmm. that moment like if that person was like you know i've always just really liked you and i really appreciate that you like are are in my corner i'd be like oh god now you have to die Uh like i just can't suffer that because otherwise i have to confront the fact that i'm the asshole what is it sort of like you mean I've been against you this whole time and you're this pathetic? Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're this pathetic and and you, you, you've, you've shown me this vulnerability. Like, you're being... It's Part of it would just be the fact that... Uh, it's the fact that Mozart's being kind towards Salieri, mm-hmm. you know, in that moment. And like, hey, you know, you really like... You're in my corner, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> and then you're just like, oh my God. 
you have to die. Uh-huh. Like it's I I can't think of any other rational response to that. <laughs> well, I guess we know which side he fell on. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. No, he definitely did not stop doing what he was doing. He's like, I'm gonna work this fucker to death tonight. <laughs> like he is right there. All we got to do is like write this requiem all night, and he'll die. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that was that was pretty much his plan, right? It was like keep him working keep him working for my favorite thing in a period piece the uh satchel full of an indeterminate amount of coins uh-huh. um <laughs> it's like a payoff in vegas there's yeah. a lot of jingling and shining yeah, don't worry like, about it yeah it's like ooh, okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is this is worth something um there's a great great louis ck bit about the indeterminate amount of coins in a satchel oh really um, yeah he has a whole thing he does uh look it up uh, look it up kids it's fun um <laughs> i think it's off of uh hilarious um, but yeah, that would uh, that would make me want to kill him. So you don't you don't think there was any degree of sort of seeing a master work, like you think he was just getting angrier and angrier as he was watching the requiem and impressed with what he was doing, um, as he's sort of humming along in his head and stuff. You like as uh, you know, I mean as they worked through the night. Yeah, um, it kind of seemed like he kind of got caught up in it. Mm-hmm and you know he like it seemed like salieri was into what he was doing and you know it was it was almost like that was the closest he was gonna get to that kind of brilliance you know Mm -hmm. and like they made it really clear i think that he like couldn't keep up and didn't fully understand what he was writing down yeah um like he was he was out of his depth the poor guy Mm -hmm. um but yeah it seemed like they were just colleagues in that final moment um and he was just like no let's just make this the best it can be (laughs) do you remember the 30 rock where they did that no it was uh uh tracy jordan trying to write his porn video game and Frank was Salieri, who tried his whole life to merge the two unsuccessfully. <laughs> but it, uh, I remember them starting that and me being like, oh, that's pretty awesome that they're, they're like clearly referencing Amadeus. Yeah. <clears throat> but it, it went on and on to the point where there was a Dr. Spachemin is rushed in wearing a cloak at the end of the night. But I, I believe, um, Tracy Jordan is talking about how um and threesome becomes foursome and foursome becomes fivesome <laughs> and uh, and Frank you go too fast <laughs> you go too fast uh, it's so good oh that's wonderful yeah uh. <laughs> but yeah in that in that last moment I think he 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 did achieve some some kind of understanding and maybe that's why he feels so bad about it mm-hmm. you know now like he 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 achieved his goal I really want to know what happened in the intervening 32 years like what was like the next three years of salieri's life like like did he you know get back the respect of the court and you know i mean i guess it was kind of said his whole plan was to pass the requiem off as his own Mm -hmm. and uh i loved his description of like i can see his funeral now like all of vienna (laughs) there and like no 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 he gets tossed in a mass grave and covered with lime yeah he can't even afford a coffin that doesn't have a little door in it (laughs) god (laughs) that was my favorite text i've ever gotten from you when i texted you earlier today for an eta and you're like well they just dumped mozart in the pauper's grave so i'll probably be leaving in about 10 minutes well (laughs) just like oh you you gotta plan your day (laughs) yeah god it was and, and and I think that's that's kind of what the ending was about. And I'm only kind of just realizing this, um, mm-hmm. talking through it, is like, no, he did achieve some perspective and see what Mozart's life really was like and see who this person actually was. And then when he stood there and saw him get lined up for a pot and, you know, sent, sent down to the pauper's grave, like, he 
kind of said, oh, wait, I'm not going to have the victory that I thought I was going to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going... Yeah, seeing women cry in a way that they probably wouldn't cry for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or And no one's going to hear, you know, this brilliant requiem of mine. And he just kind of said, okay, you know, I'm, I'm just going to walk away from this. Mm-hmm. And now he's racked with guilt because he inflicted all this wrath on an actual human being who had hopes and dreams and a wife and a kid mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And he just, he killed him. He very clearly killed him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's he he's plotting it up until and like yeah. he doesn't exactly stab him but yeah it's it's in that ballpark he he did dress up as his dead father <laughs> it's kind of not cool and in rewatching it the movie was actually considerably funnier than i remember oh yeah it made me laugh like i i loved solieri uh sort of rolling out of the bed when uh constanza is that the wife's yeah. name when she wakes him up stanzi <laughs> yeah where like it's it's not played totally slapstick or anything but it is like kind of a pratfall seconds before one of your main characters is found out to be dead. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. There are all these sort of morbid little twists in there that I loved. Mm. And uh, even when Salieri's plotting, isn't there a line where he is just sort of at the very end, he tosses off like that the, the killing part is going to be tough or something like that? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he says he says something like, you know, actually killing a guy. Mm. Like, how do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, you didn't consider this far along, did you, buddy? Yeah. Um, no, it, it was, it, it made me laugh. It made me laugh on the regular. Uh, actually, Emperor Jeffrey Jones, uh, noted uh, pederast Jeffrey Jones, <laughs> um, his, uh, well, there it is, um, to everything. <laughs> like, that's that's some good character work. Uh-huh. That, that made me really, really happy. Um, <laughs> it's not a holy relic. Well, I... I thought that the the presence of the emperor was also sort of cool in illustrating that even though this world seems so different, things don't really change in terms of the the difference between pandering to the masses. Like, if someone makes a critique that you don't agree with as the artist, you still have to consider how many people are thinking that and and do I want to work? Yeah, yeah. So it was sort of interesting that the period, the period piece aspect of it didn't even have that big a dramatic impact on how he lives. I mean, he's yeah. a struggling musician. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, it's 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 interesting to watch this so soon after seeing Inside Lewin Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, since they're both kind of about pretty similar. Well, I think Lewin Davis has a little bit in common with Salieri. Like, there's <laughs> some, I mean, they're both kind of about like the 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 third or fourth most talented guy in town mm-hmm. and kind of what it's like to be that guy i mean lewin davis doesn't you know have a vendetta against bob dylan and we don't watch him like try to kill bob dylan i would watch that movie though <laughs> like that sounds kind of incredible uh-huh. like him like working how many roads must a man walk da- down down you go too fast <laughs> like uh no you'd watch that <laughs> bob dylan mumbling from ben what 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 <laughs> You speak too low. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's just guy. He's, he's making to the truth. What? <laughs> oh man, I want to see that. <laughs> that would be great. Just make. Oh no, no. You know who stars in that movie? Donovan. Donovan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because there's that. I forget the name of it. But there's this documentary from like when Bob Dylan was getting just getting bigger and bigger, uh-huh. and. Um, like he and Donovan and like some broads are at a party and Bob Dylan's like talking all about like social justice and Bob Dylan stuff. And he's just so clearly like authentic and like cool and everything. And then Donovan starts like trying to pipe in with his bullshit Mm -hmm. and everybody looks at him like you 
composer. <laughs> and you can just watch like Donovan just go down in flames in a moment, which sucks because Donovan wrote some really good songs. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, you know who wrote some better songs? Bob Dylan. <laughs> Sorry, Donovan. Do you know about the Monterey Pop Festival? Yes, I wrote a I wrote a term paper on the Monterey Pop Festival in high school. Oh, nice. Yeah. Like, there's a pretty cool concert film about it, and I think Criterion put out a, a big series. Oh, yeah? And um, I saw at least a big chunk of it at the Egyptian, and they like they tried to bring up lots of people to talk and make it a big event. And at one point, Donovan came in and sang a song and then disappeared. And he wasn't, like, announced as a guest or anything. It was what? one of the more surreal things that's ever happened at a movie screening. <laughs> yeah, just Donovan just comes in with a guitar. <laughs> unexpectedly and just like pumps out some hurdy-gurdy man and then just disappears in a puff of smoke (laughs) yeah good old cinematech they make some neat shows that's weird one of my favorite things about the monterey pop festival is there were constant rumors during the festival that the beatles were there oh really people just kept seeing the beatles all over the place Uh uh-huh yeah it's nuts um also (laughs) uh years and years later when the you know who the residents were right the residents they're the kind of our they're a san francisco weird art rock band um that would wear these giant eyeballs or like moai heads and like no one has ever seen their faces or anything mm-hmm. and they put out just these really oblique like almost like noise rock kind of records and uh there were rumors for a long time that the residents were the beatles oh really <laughs> yeah um, and that they were just sort of hiding themselves huh. um the residents were not the beatles uh-huh. um tangential to that um since we're just following this rabbit trail now there's uh there was a show on like cbs in like 1988 um back when like network shows would do music programming on like friday nights um to try and compete with mtv uh, I forget it was like the Budweiser Music Hour, mm-hmm. and they would always get like two artists, and then at the end the artists would do a duet together. And uh, one episode they got Conway Twitty and the Residents. Okay. Yeah, and uh, the the ending thing is Conway Twitty and the Residents doing a song called "When You're Cool," and it's like this lounge lizardy sort of like it's cool to be cool kind of thing, <laughs> except like it's Conway Twitty singing. And then these giant eyeballs just sort of <laughs> swaying behind him ominously. Nice. And like a Moai head just sort of rocking back and forth, frozen in a grin. <laughs> like it's, it's the weirdest. It's on YouTube, everybody. Search it out. Like Conway tweeting in the residence. It's so bizarre. It's a little psychedelic. Yeah, it's the coolest. <laughs> oh, you know. But, uh, you know, Mozart was not in the residence. Uh-huh. No. Bringing it back around. <laughs> Boom. That's, that's a callback, everybody. Um, so, yeah. Uh, would you call the movie rewatchable? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that it, necessarily, that it necessarily has a twist. I mean, yeah. I guess if you have no idea what it is, then just sort of knowing the, the thrust of it and that it's not fully about Mozart and that kind of stuff yeah. would make it worth watching again. Um, and there's the director's cut, theatrical cut difference. Yeah, and those are always fun to revisit. Yep. For sure. Um, yeah, I definitely, like, I mean, it's 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 a really, really good movie, everybody. Um, it's, it's worth going back and watching just, like, you know, for the scale on which it's made, for some really, really fantastic editing choices, and for uh, just great performances kind of all around, especially F. Murray Abraham and Tom Hulse. Like, yeah. like I said, I was so just on Salieri's side <laughs> kind of the whole time. Until the end. And then I was like, and even at the end, like watching it earlier today, I was like, no, fuck this little troll. I want him to die. And then talking about it, I'm like, no, like you should probably be a person. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, not give in to my baser impulses. Um, this has been like the most like long dark night of the soul podcast we've done so far. <laughs> we meander. 
yeah you know it's fine um i mean it's a good movie you know anytime you're feeling sort of downtrodden it's a weird sort of guilty pleasure thing to watch oh yeah of uh i mean i wouldn't quite equate it to breaking bad but taking the the sort of well if you look at every every individual step of the way i guess i could <laughs> see how this happened each each <laughs> thing's sort of incrementally <laughs> but then if you take it as a whole it's like dude walter <laughs> yes you shot a guy just because just because he yelled at you it actually sort of reminded me. Spoiler um, alert! <laughs> but I, I heard a, a quote from Vince Gilligan. Yeah. No, no spoilers from this. But talking about looking back at the pilot. Yeah. He can tell how worried he was. The audience wouldn't come with him on yeah. the journey of like just sort of how much is going against Walt. Yeah. And uh, that that didn't bother me at all about Amadeus because it feels so theatrical. Yeah. But they lay it on pretty thick. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they go way, way out of their way to, like, make, make Mozart as, like, I think that when, when they, when the only part of it that felt like they were maybe pushing it too far was when he did, like, the Neanderthal Salieri impression at the masquerade. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay, really, guys? Yeah. You can't, because it, it would be even almost more satisfying if, um, he didn't even think about Salieri at all. Mm-hmm. Like if he just <laughs> if he didn't, didn't know anything. <laughs> yeah, like if he just like didn't consider him um, mm-hmm. at, in the least. Like it, it reminds me of uh, I was listening to uh, another great podcast called uh, Rewatchability, um, which is a pop culture nostalgia podcast from up in Canada where they uh, they revisit things. Um, f- from their childhoods basically mm-hmm. and uh like watch like disneyland christmas specials and stuff and um they they, they it's, a, it's a sort of a tangential project to what we do but a little bit less film studies about it and a little bit more dick jokes about it uh-huh. um it's good but they uh they were talking about the original screenplay for uh die hard with a vengeance which um was apparently it was adapted from a movie from a screenplay called simon says um, and the plot of it was basically that the detective who was the main character in the original screenplay had like cut this guy off in traffic like six years before. Mm-hmm. And like for, for that reason, like he was late to a thing and someone died because of that. And like his whole life unraveled and he like traced it back to this one little moment. Changing and lanes. Been, um, is it changing lanes? Kind of. Oh, is that what changing lanes is about? More or less. Oh yeah. He like cuts a guy off and then it, I mean, it, it's much faster Yeah, where like it takes place within a day. Oh, okay. when shit shit goes awry when he gets cut off oh okay no but, in, in this case like for five years he like huh. plots his revenge because he's like <laughs> that was the moment and i gotta kill that guy um i would have really liked for that to be like the other alternate version of this where like mozart just keeps getting in this guy's way but he doesn't even notice salieri mm-hmm. and then at the end salieri's like how could you always cut me off at every turn and mozart's like who the fuck are you like <laughs> why are we even talking right now yeah that is the greatest insult yeah yeah that's i, I almost worse than being like you were such a good friend to me like <laughs> no, you're gonna take this away from me in the 11th hour like i'm so close to victory and now you've rendered it hollow oh i'm gonna kill you even harder but i'm not even gonna enjoy it now yeah fuck you wolfie (laughs) oh yes i didn't like him (laughs) i get that impression yeah you know who loves this movie though it's weird because it perennially comes up among like drama kids like anyone who was involved in like high school theater or like glee club or like speech and debate or anything like that all those kids have a huge boner for amadeus Hmm. i don't really know why it's a good movie. Like yeah. they have a they have okay taste. Like it's it's way better than you know going out to the Rocky Horror Picture Show every week. Um, 
Well, I mean, Which there was a time for that too. <laughs> Artists do tend to love art about art. Yeah, yeah. Which, nah, that's so that true. probably doesn't help. Nah. <laughs> art about artists even more so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It's true. It makes sense. Anyway, we, 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 I think the consensus is watch it again. Watch it again as soon as you can. <laughs> I'm going to take a controversial stand on this AFI top 100, et cetera, et cetera movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I liked it a whole, whole lot. Yeah, me too. Cool. All right. Uh, I think that's it for Amadeus. Um, so what do we want to do next week? Yeah, you're on um, the docket. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm thinking, you know, I'd really like to actually watch Star Wars and New Hope, but like I don't want to watch the special editions. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we can maybe get a hold of our friends' laser discs and do it that way. Sure. But... Um, yeah, let's uh, let's do that. We're gonna we'll probably uh, be on a little bit of a hiatus over Christmas. Um, well, actually, this episode's probably gonna drop sometime in like you know January, February. So yeah, spoil, uh, you know, sorry, peek behind the scenes. We are recording this in December. <laughs> um, it's a chaotic time. <laughs> While we're revealing uh, behind the scenes secrets, yeah, uh, I thought I should mention that when I was trying to come up with Amadeus, yeah, it was it was largely me picturing my movie shelf and trying to think of what have I been meaning to watch forever <laughs> so my next few choices may yeah may very well end up uh akira uh american movie Ooh, uh, yeah let's rewatch akira that's okay. a, that's a great idea i want to do akira um so that we can uh, uh i, I want to watch there was a new translation that came out in like 2002 or something like mm-hmm. that and i haven't seen that one. Oh, nice um so yeah let's watch the new translation of akira okay boom there you go <laughs> but i just thought that was funny like how the sausage is made is me going alphabetically through movies i've been meaning to watch <laughs> <laughs> just like okay i guess we'll do this yeah this is not for you guys internet this is just for us so that we can finally get through this backlog like you were just shouting into the darkness yes that's all that's happening here absolutely all right uh, I guess join us next time when we uh, when we check out Akira. Until then, um, you know, go, go learn the harpsichord. Oh, we're on Twitter at Refried Reviews. Yeah, we are on Twitter. Rate and review us on iTunes, everybody. It really it takes like twenty five seconds to do it. It's really easy, um, and it helps us out a whole lot because it lets more people get in front of us. Um, yeah, do it. All right, thanks.